This week in KMA Land, Sydney Multipurpose Court Saga continues. Shelby County siblings air pipeline concerns. Page County Board declares EMS an essential service. Mills County gets new water rescue craft. And progress reported on Nebraska City Veterans Building renovation. I'm Mike Peterson. More cussing and discussing, but still no action on Sydney's controversial recreation project plans. At a special meeting Wednesday night, the Sydney City Council met with residents to discuss the use and ownership of 909 Illinois Street. Recently, the city received a $25,000 neighborhood planning grant to help fund a plan for neighborhood revitalization. Now, the Park Board is one of six applicants eligible for a $1.75 million community betterment grant, currently including putting a multi-purpose sports complex on the property. Part of the grant's requirements would be placing the court in a low-income portion of the community, but many residents argue the property was promised to the fire department for future expansion in 2015 when the former United Methodist Church was removed. Council members took issue with him going outside the city attorney for an opinion. Mayor Ken Brown says he was given information by the fire department and presented it to another attorney. He came back and made the statement, and this is exactly how he said for me to quote it, the city of Sydney is holding the property in trust for the fire department and does not have the authority to do anything with that property. Fire Chief Dustin Sheldon also previously presented records of a $5,900 check from the fire department to the city to cover the acquisition of the property and various inspections of the building and a hard copy of the 2015 purchase agreement. Some residents and council members pointed to a lack of progress in the property for a fire station. However, given the various natural disasters and significant water infrastructure upgrades, Sheldon says a new station was put on the back burner as grant opportunities were slim. You know, we didn't want to have to go into a, a, a budget type thing or a bond issue to build a fire station. We didn't feel that was, that was right on our behalf. So. Then when the city gets in with the, with the major water tower and the water project that had to be coming in there, morally and ethically, we didn't think that it would be right for us to sit there and say, hey, come on, let's go get a fire station. The city had more things on their, their, their plate that they needed to worry about. Though park board members say they've been raising awareness of the Betterment Grant possibility for nearly a year, Sheldon feels there was only recent conversations directly with the fire department. Former fire chief and firefighter Craig Marshall says talks of building a new station actually date back to 2008 and plans were formulated for a new building between 2011 and 2015. Marshall adds the new structure would have been for more than just a fire department. There's a community room built in that you do not have. We have this one that we can rent. We have a small one at the uh, library that's, as we all know, is not big enough for anything more than a tea or a coffee. There was going to be a big community room in that. There was going to be a storm shelter. Think about rodeo during tornado season. Where do we put these people? They wouldn't all fit. There was going to be a storm shelter in there. There was going to be a new city hall. The new city hall was going in that building. The old fire station was going to be for all the equipment that you don't have room for at your current city hall. Kayla Clark is the park board president. Clark says the sports complex would help provide needed recreational opportunities for the community's youth in a central location. We looked at our community firsthand and what our needs are. We discovered that Fremont County is one of the unhealthiest counties in Iowa, in the whole state. We ranked 86 out of 99 counties. The children in our schools have had a massive increase in mental health problems since the pandemic. The records from our schools here in this town showed an increase 
of 833% in kids that are getting counseling services in the elementary and 1,100% increase in the number of students receiving counseling services at the high school after COVID. Several fire department members said they were not against bringing a sports complex to town, but simply had issues with the proposed location. Councilman Ann Travis adds the $1.75 million grant would address several other matters outside the court, including housing and sidewalk improvements. Housing rehab program, $250,000. Gazebo park design, $55,000. Gazebo park improvements, $550,000. Safety sidewalk improvements, $75,000. Sidewalk and wayfinding construction, $750,000. No action was taken Wednesday night. Plans for the property are expected to be unveiled at Monday night's regular city council meeting. More testimony from KMA land residents this week in the epic evidentiary hearing on a proposed carbon pipeline project. Sherry Webb is one of four siblings owning approximately 40 acres of property in Shelby County in the direct path of Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express CO2 pipeline. Webb was among those testifying Wednesday in the Iowa Utility Board's continuing evidentiary hearing on Summit's application for the proposed pipeline stretching approximately 700 miles across western Iowa. Webb testified she and her siblings are not interested in selling to Summit land that's been in their family for generations. It was our grandmother's land. It had been in the family as of this year over 123 years. It's not something we want to give away. It's not something we want ruined. It is no-till, um, and that is something that um, our tenant is very proud of. In fact, Shelby County as a whole is 95% no-till because of the less soils that we have in our land, in the entire in the entire county. Webb says the pipeline would be detrimental to no-till land on her property. You do not want to tear up no-till land to put a pipeline in it. First of all, because carbon's released, carbon is stored in the soil. But second of all, when you're looking at tearing up 50 feet or more, because I don't believe they'll stay in their 50-foot easement, um, you're going to rip the soil up and the, the microbes that hold it together as well as the organic matter that's on top that holds it together. You're also going to kill earthworms and anything else that lives down below that when you destroy their home. Webb's sister, Cynthia Hansen, later testified regarding other dangers and health risks associated with the proposed pipeline. Both siblings were among the clients of Omaha attorney Brian Jordy, representing a long list of the landowners opposed to the project. And it'll be next month before that hearing is wrapped up. Plans originally called for the hearing's conclusion in late September, but the large number of witnesses placed on the hearing's docket forced the IUB to extend its lease with its Fort Dodge venue into early October. Early Wednesday afternoon, Board Chair Eric Hallen indicated the hearing would extend into November. We do have multiple major cases pending in front of us and due to facility restrictions it would appear the first full week of november would be the first possible time would we would be back helen says the iub attempted to accommodate the hearings witness list as well as the constant redirect questions from attorneys representing landowners and other participating parties with an interest in the pipeline project we have made many accommodations including moving landowners last we have admitted everything into the record even exhibits that were filed late and improperly. As such, uh, we are 
behind where we had anticipated being at this point. Helen says the board will rule on Summit's application at the end of the hearing and not from the bench. He adds the IUB is proceeding with building a record responsibly and diligently and asks the hearing's participants to abide by the rules and orders laid out in the board's administrative code. After more than a year of discussions, Page County officials have taken the first step in making EMS services in the county essential. Meeting a regular session Thursday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors unanimously approved a resolution declaring EMS an essential service in the county, setting in motion a process to provide more funding for the services. The board also heard a report from Shenandoah Ambulance Director Ty Davison highlighting the need for additional financing for area EMS services. After the local EMS providers voiced their support, Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes tells KMA News the board's decision is the first step in a multi-month process. Our decision in this is not is just whether or not it should go on the ballot. So that we all agreed that it, it's okay to go forward with talking about it, having public hearings, and see what people think. And then if, if at the end of that, possibly putting on the ballot for March, and then the voters deciding whether or not they would like to support this effort. Under a bill passed by the Iowa legislature in 2021, counties can implement a tax levy up to $0.75 per thousand dollars valuation to help fund their respective EMS services. However, it requires a 60% majority on a ballot referendum. Holmes adds area hospitals have offered to pay for the costs associated with placing the question on the ballot. Matt Sells is CEO of Shenandoah Medical Center, which partners with the city of Shenandoah to provide ambulance services. In a previous interview with KMA News, Sells says the county tax levy will be one way to boost what he says is one of the most critical services they provide. Ultimately, we continue to see you know, a lot of financial challenges as well as staffing challenges associated with EMS. And so uh, anything we can do to further education, get more people into the field uh, and really try to do some things to help uh, provide some stability in, in EMS would be a big step forward for us here locally. In discussions with regional hospital CEOs, Sell says rural hospitals are seeing significant financial losses from their EMS services. Generally speaking, for services like ours, um, you're consistently hearing from those those CEOs that the losses from EMS are, are north of a half a million dollars per year. And so um, it is dire, it is difficult uh, to, to continue to fund those losses. Sells also notes that for his hospital, nearly 35 to 40 percent of EMS responses are outside of Shenandoah city limits. Water rescue capabilities received a major boost in Mills County this week. At its regular meeting Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved a funding request from Glenwood Fire Chief Matt Gray to purchase an inflatable boat and motor for roughly $24,000. Gray tells KMA News the action follows the Glenwood City Council's authorization of up to $50,000 to purchase an additional larger rescue boat and trailer. Despite some recent ice and water rescue calls, Gray says his department doesn't have its own watercraft. It's trying to get a program built back up so we do have something on this side of the county. Um, during the flood, there were no boats available for rescues. We had to get, call Council Bluffs um, and use theirs, so... It just makes sense with as much standing water as we have um, in Mills County with uh, the river, the lake, creeks, and stuff like that, that we do have some type of water rescue capabilities. Grace says the Glenwood Fire Department's previous dive team folded. The new team's organization would mirror the Red Oak Fire Department and Southwest Iowa Dive Team. 
The fire chief says having both sizes of crafts allows them to easily access the various bodies of water in the county. We ordered one that's bigger for the river and larger ponds, and the other one is a inflatable, which we got. That's what the county purchased, and that one will be for smaller areas where we can't get back to the trailer. We can actually carry this one back in and go to ponds and creeks and stuff that we can't get to. And it, it can also go on the river, too, if it had to. Grace says several Glenwood firefighters are trained for water and ice rescues. Glenwood does have several that are trained on the uh, swift water rescue and also ice rescue. And we will continue with those trainings. And we've also been talking with the Southwest Iowa Dike team. That way we would be joining with them to give them a bigger resource to Southwest Iowa um, so if they had any calls, we, we could send our boat and crew over to help them, and then they could do vice versa over here. Grace is currently, they average three or four water incidents a year, and that number has increased. Um, Grace says the new boats are much-needed upgrades for the fire department's resources in Glenwood and Mills County. Both boats are expected to arrive in March or early spring, followed by training sessions with the new watercraft. All but a few projects remain before Nebraska City's Veterans Memorial Building renovation is completed. Jim Kuhn, president of the building's board of directors, updated the Nebraska City City Council on the building's progress at its regular meeting Monday night. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Nebraska City Mayor Brian Beckett says the facility's quarterly report indicates more than 300 donors made the renovation project possible. All of the refurbishment of this building has been done through private dollars, either individual donations, corporate donations, or grants that they've gone out and sought. But they've installed a lot of outside lights and landscaping, 14 new units on air conditioning and heating. They've put in security cameras for the entire thing, a brand new floor on the entire gym surface area that can now seat up to 324 people in tables. They've put furniture and uh, new blinds in all the office spaces and have actually a couple of the office spaces rented out. Additionally, the building also hosts Nebraska City's VFW and American Legion posts. Beckett's renovation to the building's kitchen and stage areas are the last remaining projects. That's the last two major parts of the program to go and uh, to bring the stage to where it's functional, where we can have small community theater as well as music and that type of thing. So that's still to come. And then finishing the commercial kitchen in the basement, which used to be there, but was old and outdated, of course, but they now are in the process of updating that. Beckett says up to $600,000 is still needed in order to complete the kitchen and stage work. Completion of those projects is expected within the next six to seven months. The mayor adds supporters must also determine the building's future management. The members on the board are all volunteer. No one wants to be an event manager or planner uh, long term. So part of that would be looking at how we actually, the person that would manage it, where we put that responsibility on scheduling and also being on site. Right now, the board is taking care of all the cleaning and all of that and uh, being on site during events. So we also have to figure out with that board on moving forward with the management of it how that, and figure that into the cost as well on sustaining. You can hear the full interview with Brian Beckett with the web story at kmaland.com as well as on our Morning Line page. Iowa Department of Natural Resources officials are hoping for moisture to kickstart pumping operations at the Riverton Wildlife Management Area. Iowa DNR wildlife biologist Matt Dollison says water levels in the West Nishnabonda River are still too low to begin pumping water in the main marsh located north of County Road J46. Construction delays on the Spring Creek outlet previously delayed the pumping season from its usual start on August 15th. 
Donaldson expressed frustrations over not being able to fill up the main marsh. You know, we had those construction issues that slowed us down to begin with, but now uh, with all the hot, dry weather and no rain, there's actually not enough water in the West Nishtabotan River for us to be able to turn it on. The intake is actually almost completely out of the water right now. So yeah, we can't turn it on without risking breaking it. So it's a very expensive pump, and we're not going to turn it on until we have enough water to run it. As a result, Donaldson says the main marsh is still completely dry. He adds if some October rain should raise the river enough, they'll likely begin pumping into certain parts of the marsh first. Priority right now will be getting some water in the refuge so we can hold some birds there up north, and then we'll send the water into the Larson Tract, which is the main boat area. It will be kind of our last thing we do because we know we're not going to come anywhere close to getting that to full pool, so our priority is going to be the refuge and maybe a little bit of a walking area that we can fill quicker if the river comes up. The 16-day teal-only hunting season also ran through early last month. Donaldson says dry conditions did appear to impact the duck hunting season. I would say the opener was pretty good. I heard there was pretty good success. Quite a bit of shooting went on on September 1st. After that, though, it was pretty scarce. We had quite a few hunters out at Riverton, and we didn't hear much shooting. wasn't a ton of success after that opener. So we just feel like we just haven't had a ton of birds around. Probably due to the lack of water, and maybe the blue wings aren't all down yet. I heard from someone that was having good success with them in South Dakota here recently, so maybe there's quite a few blue wings still north of us. The regular duck season takes place today and next Saturday in the central and south zones of the state, while the youth waterfowl weekend is today and Sunday. Though Iowa is still considered Donald Trump country, some noteworthy presidential contenders are making inroads in the state. That's according to Dave Price, former political director at WHO-TV in Des Moines and writer of a weekly political column that's part of the Iowa Writers Collaborative. Price is among the political observers monitoring the continuing onslaught of Republican presidential candidates campaigning in Iowa ahead of the state's January caucuses. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning, Price's other candidates are attracting big crowds. For example, Price cites Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who appeared at an event in Red Oak last you month. Know, Ron DeSantis had interest from the beginning. Now, as we've seen nationally, perhaps his polling numbers have essentially plateaued, but he still draws a crowd, and Kim Reynolds, the governor, seems to show up at some of his events from time to time, which has drawn the ire of of the Trump people. Price's other candidates receiving attention in Iowa include Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Nikki Haley's had some buzz after the first couple of debates, and you can see her crowd sizes grow. To me, those may be a better indication of what's going on if their organization is growing, if the interest in the candidate is growing. Vivek Ramaswamy has been able to draw crowds for a while now. Though former President Trump, who appeared in Ottumwa this past weekend, continues to lead most polls in Iowa, Price cautions not to read too much into the national polls. Former Vice President Mike Pence is among the candidates visiting KMA Land this weekend. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.
This has been a presentation of KMA News.